Welcome to the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Duncan Barlow of the bands, or bands such as Guilt and Point. By the grace of God, we talk to Duncan about his bands, getting into hardcore, and he told us a cool Buffalo story. Um, so, we recorded this because we forgot to put it on the actual episode, the intro that we usually do during the episode. But also, I wanted to put a little trigger warning because we talked to Duncan about subjects such as suicide and depression. So if those things might not be something you want to listen to, uh, feel free to stop the episode. If not, please enjoy this latest episode of Nick City Soundtrack Podcast. Peace. I'm Mark. I'm Chris. And we are here with Duncan Barlow of various bands including endpoint guilt and others by the grace of god i feel like there's a black widow or black cross in there uh, i was not in any of the crosses uh, okay <laughs> none, none of the black bands you weren't in any of the black bands no, no. <laughs> <Fair enough>. uh, <laughs> so we're gonna this is how we're gonna start off these kind of interviews this is we're doing this for the first time give me your best buffalo memory my best Buffalo memory is there's a few, there's so many characters, but um, we were staying at Garrett's house, Garrett Kahn, yeah. uh, and it was 92, the summer of 92, and his mom was such a saint, but we're, you know, Rob and I are upstairs doing an interview with Garrett that would never see the light of day, and uh, <laughs> uh, and we just hear police officers and we come out and we see Chad Castetter and Josh and a couple Buffalo kids running naked down the street with this banner <laughs> they had stolen from a gas station and the cops chasing them. Uh, it was like, yeah, yeah, this is, sorry, this is us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as far as Buffalo people, um, we had this show there where there was a, a guy who, who I still, you know, I still like, uh, but he was, you know, settling up with us and he's like, sorry, I don't have any more money. I don't have any money. And Tinsley looked down at his money box and just like taps it. And all this, this false bottom comes out and there's all this other money under it. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, how did you know? Uh, <laughs> here i have a good buffalo memory for you that i'm gonna okay bring up on the screen i don't know if you're you probably remember this, oh boy but... is this is this uh windspear no this is uh, this is this do you remember this oh my god yes oh you know it's so funny i'm just in endpoint mode because i'm scanning these pictures for something and yeah i totally forgot about yes uh 95 guilt show Earth Crisis, yes. Bloodlet, Ignite, Guilt, yes. And we we made you rush home to watch X-Files. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so that car, that's Joe, Joe, Garlip, Joe Garlip's girlfriend at the time, she skidded off the ramp from the two from the Millersport to the, to the 990. Her car skidded off the road into this ditch, and we were <sighs> trying to help her get out of the, the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> failing miserably. <laughs> but anyway, mm. 
That's what yeah. that was. That was the show in historic Lockport. Yes, at Kenzie's. Oh, was that the was that the one with uh, Earth Crisis, Damnation, or was that another Ignite? One? Yeah, Ignite. Ignite. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was a, that was an interesting show. It was a good show. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Gonna say, I recall being a good show. I also seem to recall you having um, like a poster board. Like things, I don't remember what they were, but I remember them being on like stands. They were uh, a guy who had shot himself in the face. They were his morgue shots blown up at like mm. four, four, you know, four by five. So it's just, yeah, you know, I don't fucking know. You know, like <laughs> I would get these ideas and I'm like, let's have this guy who blew his face off. We'll have two giant pictures of that and lights on them. People will love that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people, but I don't know that that was the crowd for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not a, not a, not not our. That was a weird crowd for us the whole tour, but um, yeah, with it was an interesting. <laughs> yeah, how like what what like were there any like highlights or lowlights from that? tour because that was a very interesting tour for you guys and i know or so i've heard that by the grace of god kind of happened because of that tour yeah yeah dj rose and i were talking about straight edge and my mom had just died so i was like in that sort of grieving uh uh you know that grieving thing like she died i went to the wake and basically we hopped in the van and left for tour mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i had never met earth crisis i mean i think i'd met them in 92 passing but um we never like had a friendship or anything right. and uh uh i was really curious how it was gonna go and the first show i wore a digit shirt with a cow uh a bull having sex with a cow and it said making steak <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, I was vegan, but I just wanted to, you know, I was just a dick. <laughs> just and, test it uh, out. Yeah, test it <laughs> out. And Carl came up, he's like, that's a funny shirt, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but like, honestly, we had a great time with those guys. We, we really had a good time with them. And, uh, that's one of my favorite tours. Like, you know, we would play shows and there'd be like two kids in the crowd that were like, yes, I like this. And, mm -hmm um but but we had a really good time yeah very cool what about any weird ignite shit because through the years there's always been like <laughs> weird ignite stories particularly yeah. from that time period like yeah. and you know um not really um i i i guess i didn't really i mean i i talked to uh the drummer, the guy that was in Justice League, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, but like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of, I mean, I heard a lot of stories as we were touring that people would tell me about Ignite. Um, mm -hmm. But they were always so insane that I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, you know, I just was like, I don't know, maybe, fair you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Enough said, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
So I remember. So just another thing about that Buffalo thing. You guys stayed at my house, and you made. I you probably don't remember, but you made you made me and my roommates dinner. I think. Oh uh, like, yeah, yeah. It was spaghetti and wheat balls. If people remember wheat balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then you guys had to watch yeah. X Files, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, we cooked a lot on that tour. Yeah. Because, it was you know, great. We benefited. <laughs> we I'm pretty sure you guys cleaned too. I think you cleaned my my apartment you, as well. Did you bring the wheat balls with you, or did you get them in Buffalo? Yeah, we brought a bunch of food with us, and like it's it's a trick I learned from uh, John Hilks when uh, Born Against would always come through my town. Uh, I, you know, he always had like his food and everything in these milk crates. So. Mm. Um, so we we cooked uh, to to save money. It's a good idea, definitely. Bands listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you know, where are they going to put their guns? What are you talking about? What gun? <laughs> Chris, like, where are you going with this? <laughs> where are you, you going you with know, this? You, you, what stories, stories for another time? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So cool. So let's let's kind of do the normal thing. So um, what What's... triggered what triggered your your love for this like kind of like life, like hardcore and punk and stuff like that? Like, was there a record that triggered that? Oh it's man, triggered is we can use. Yeah, triggered. I'll use triggered. <laughs> yeah, triggered. Uh, you know, like I was pretty lucky because um, when I was a kid, my sister was really into like got got into new wave by by total. I don't even know how she did it. Um, so we were like in the late seventies, early eighties. We were listening to stuff that kids in Kentucky weren't listening to and she would babysit and then we'd go to the record store and buy stuff and um then she got the sex pistols at one point and she I I didn't really like it too much. I, I thought it was sounded bratty. Uh and then one day in like eighty one I'm giving you a very brief version of this um because it really is a longer story that had like a local local cable music channel that played like the clash and the ramones in the late 70s and i was super into that and then then one day we went and she bought uh circle jerks group sex dead kennedy's halloween ep and the Black Flag My War, which had just come out, I think. Um, and I loved everything, you know, like, and then, but when I put on My War, that first, My War, <clears throat> the first screen, I was just like, this is it. This is, you know, this is yeah. who I am. That was like, what, 84. And then, then I was just like, I didn't know any other way how, how to be. I've tried. I've literally tried not to be a weird hardcore punk dude, but I just tried, would get... tried to be normal. Quote, yeah, quote. I tried to be normal. Yeah, I'm, like I'm such an oddball in my, you know, uh, university out here. It's yeah. So yeah. you're you're a teacher or a professor? 
Yeah, um, I, I teach in the creative writing pro, uh, program at the University of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I teach fiction, uh, the novel. Uh, I teach horror literature and I teach publishing cool. just at different times. Very cool. Has, yeah. has anyone noticed you as being like from hardcore in your time teaching? You know, when I was first starting and I was in Denver or down in Florida, uh, it happened uh, mm-hmm. a lot. You know, a kid would come in and had, you know, would be wearing a shirt they bought online, you know, to be like, look. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh but here these are all like farmer kids yeah <laughs> uh, and and you know we have our like uh awesome freaks too but um they're they're just they're not like core scene punk kids they're okay. like yeah they're uh they're uh what are they <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't know because I think they come up through like what whatever you know at this point probably probably like uh golly what's that what's a band uh what's Pete Pete's band and uh, Andrew and Fall Out Boy yes thank you gosh going blank yeah. so they they. I'll find every now and then they'll know somebody like, you know, they'll, they'll be into some band that I knew from back whenever we yeah. were kids. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's interesting that on a college level, you're coming across people who get into this space from like fallout boy. Yeah. Uh, whereas like other people, that I feel like can come across of a certain age range, find the space through like corn or mm-hmm. slipknot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because as I've gotten older, my tolerance for anything like that has really become much more open. Like mm-hmm. now when I mm-hmm. hear like I'm in a store and corn comes on, I think, this really was pretty good for what it was. Like, you know what I yes, mean? Like, that's exactly how I feel. The first <laughs> record anyway, like, yes. No <laughs> one would admit that then, and no one of a certain age would admit that now. No, no. And I, as much as I hate to say it, when I hear the beautiful people by Marilyn Manson, I'm like, this was a banger. Yeah. <laughs> this I, was get a banger. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They had some was, tracks. There were there were tracks there. There were tracks. There were yeah, tracks. Yeah. There that, were tracks. Say. That shit yeah. slaps, as the kids say. Yeah, yeah. Slaps. I don't know about that. Chris. <laughs> Maybe it's you a know, New York thing. <laughs> Jill played with corn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. They they did that tour. Was sick of it all. Yeah. Like they started oh. at least like musically. They started in somewhat hardcore circles, so it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, know about, is... like, when they started the band and, and those early days, but they definitely did, like, a tour with Stick of It All. I think they did a tour with, like, Danzig or something. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. They, I know they played a battle of the bands with Strife. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how I first mm. heard the name, and that was before they broke. Uh, wow. And, uh, but, like, yeah, it was really weird. Like, they were on the Oz 
Ozzy Osbourne tour, and mm. they had a day off, so it was going to be them headlining and Geezer Butler. But Geezer Butler canceled, so I got a call that was like, hey, do you want to open for Corn?" And I was like, I don't know really who they are, but he's like, it's sold out. And I was like, then yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Uh, nice. And they were, they were really nice. But what, what, what I found surprising is the singer, years and years later, met somebody from Louisville. And when, when he found out they were from Louisville, he said, do you know this band, Guilt? And she's like, yeah, that was a, I used to live with that guy. And he was like, they were really great. that's That's cool yeah so maybe that maybe i softened on corn after that (laughs) i i i I feel like i've told this story before but i'm gonna tell it again because it's such a great story Mm -hmm. uh a friend of mine interviewed corn for like some local buffalo music magazine Mm -hmm. and the singer used to have hiv tattooed on his shoulder weird so my friend asks the obvious question. What's it like being a gay man in a heavy music scene? Oh shit. Wow. And and he's and he's like, What? I'm not gay. What are you talking about? And he's like, You have HIV tattooed on your arm. And he's like, No, Hiv. It's my nickname, Hiv. Oh my god. I never oh my god. I never <laughs> freaked out about it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I love that story. Shout out for Aquarius. Fucking love that story. Uh, I love that. So I mean, I, I would totally, maybe not that, but like I had those moments where it's like, it's like when I realized like Ray Bees was a fake name, where I said it fast together, and I was like, oh, oh, right, yeah, like we got I, like. <laughs> I always said Ray Bees, and then you find out it's Ray Bees. Yeah, yeah, I got to say, right, it's like, Ray oh. Bees. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you get yeah. it. Huh? Now you get it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm an idiot. Stop it, Chris. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just fucking. But like, I remember like, and we really thought that like, you know, because that first corn record has uh the one song where he just starts screaming, "I'm a f," yeah. you know. Ah. And uh, they had a shirt because we like when they played Buffalo one of the times when they were bigger. Uh, Mark, what's that Buffalo shirt printing company? Core City. No, it's like a big one. They do like. Uh, um, like uh, are they still I, around? I, that I don't know, but they were like huge, and they printed the corn shirts. Yeah, and my friend worked there. And he just got like for whatever reason the shirts had that on them. Yeah. So like so he just printed the shirts with just that on it. And we would wear it to shows. Oh really? <laughs> like not like the hardcore shows. We'd wear them to like the barcore shows, and you can imagine how that went over. Yeah. Well, how was that reaction? <laughs> you know, uh, those barcore bands like uh mudfoot and like or whatever those bands were <laughs> you know like like the bands that played with like nail yeah those dudes thought that they knew how to dance but they didn't yeah so like we would go to those shows and if they tried to like get weird with us we would just out like out mosh them or out dance them and they would leave <laughs> us alone fair enough you know because because they didn't know like they had no idea like i remember i was at a nail show in Niagara falls and yeah. i'm just dancing doing my thing 
and a couple of guys didn't like how I was dancing. So they were going to like jump me on the next song. And I didn't realize it. And I just started like dancing and there was like, Oh yeah, we can't deal with this. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. And, and I'm wearing a freaking shirt that says, yeah, there's like, this is too much. I can't deal with this. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. So what was your, what was your first band of note? That like, by saying of note, maybe put out a <laughs> record or play. Well, what do we say? Put out a record or uh, played outside of Louisville, I guess. Oh, that was the end point. Oh, was it? That was the first. That was the first one to play outside of Louisville. I was going to say, like, I feel like end point was the like. That was the root of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you count across the river and like. Jeffersonville, Indiana. I had a band called Substance that opened for Soulside on their first tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was that band yeah. like? Uh, you know, we were trying to sound like DC bands, but you know, it was like the first band I really played guitar in. So mm-hmm. um, it was. It would end up being me. Like uh, they kind of formed a band without me, the yeah. drummer and bass player that went on to be Crane. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you guys, well, I guess uh, I guess I'm going to start a band that's going to be better than yours. It's going to be called <laughs> Death Watch. Yeah. Yes. So we were nice. Death Watch for a little while before we became Endpoint, which, you know. The rest is history. The rest is geometry. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I as much as I love Endpoint, Death Watch might be a better name. Just saying. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. I just can't, you know, I just, I don't know what happened. I think uh, we were having trouble getting shows. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely <laughs> see that. Yeah. And, uh, and I got to say, like, sorry for this. I'm only apologizing because it's going to be a little weird, but like catharsis literally saved my life in like '92. Yeah, like that that record was hugely important to me and like got me through the got me through some really dark times. Were you here, Chris? Were you in in Illinois? I was. I was in Illinois at the time, like super alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was funny because I sent you an interview for a zine that never came out, or maybe it did, but like. Because I was so isolated and alone, I didn't know what was going on in hardcore because where I was in Illinois, there was fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. And like the the people who were pseudo hardcore were like trying to slip acid in my like Pepsi and shit. Like it was, it was just like a fucked up place. Mm-hmm. And uh so I sent like this interview and it was an interview based off of the first record. So it was like the straight edge edges of straight edge interviews, and every answer <laughs> was like yeah, we're kind of not like that anymore, but you're not saying that you were straight edge, but it was like, I remember one of the answers being like, yeah, it probably doesn't help that we put a giant X hand on the back of the record. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got catharsis and I was like, oh, oh, I see. But uh, yeah, like that record, hugely important record to me. Very uh, cool. Well, I have a lot of records like that, so I totally understand that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about hardcore is most people who found hardcore, especially in the Midwest, um, we found it 
it's it saved us in some way mm -hmm. um uh it wasn't necessarily like maybe in in new york and the surrounding areas where it was so big and and you know what i mean like there was a whole culture behind it that in the midwest we didn't know so we were all kind of like you know and the hardcore bands that we grew up with in the midwest were like Detroitson, you know and mm -hmm. uh uh you know uh negative negative approach and I mean, Laughing Hyenas wasn't really hardcore, but mm -hmm. but yeah, but there it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just like it was like every song spoke to me in the right moment, like the right, the right tone in that moment, and like I always, it's always stuck in my head. I still remember the first time I was told I'd fail. You know, I like it just like everything, just everything about that record. It was like, and, and like and when people aren't like, would be like, hey, it's all right. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean it's all right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Rob is a, God, you know, I can't say enough nice things about Rob. Um, uh, you know, being sort of best friends with him and, and the, the Andy Tinsley, but, and, I have so you know that's the thing about also hardcore you don't really have a best friend you have several right yes um, and but Rob like he always does good mm -hmm. he always he's got such a pure heart and whenever I hear somebody you know talk talk poorly about Rob I think you're probably not a very good person um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um I mean, he, he, you know, he's screwed up and stuff, obviously. Yeah, we all do. And there's I, times where I've, I've wanted to kill him uh, in a van. <laughs> but, like, you know, his lyrics really are, you know, they're not, like, my lyrics were always angry and upset. His were always, like, trying to find hope. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I loved that. I yeah. loved that. You know, to me, the saddest thing about Catharsis is we were too poor to, to buy a reel. So we, we rented it. So we can never re re like remix that or something, you know, because mm. the mix is, is pretty rough on it. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, by today's standard, yeah, but like 92, pretty fucking good. Well, you know, for me, it was like we would hear that. And whenever you go in the studio, it always kind of sounds good to you. But like, then you hear like the bands that were coming out of like New York to go into Normandy Sound, and you were just right, like, yeah. the record sounded huge, you know? Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and uh, <clears throat> uh, we actually, it hasn't been announced yet, and there's nothing inked yet, but um, there's going to be a remaster and re-release of Catharsis, um, mm. and a, probably a remix of the last two records, mm -hmm. um, and those will be re-released. Um, who's who's doing that? Uh, it'll be Equal Vision. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were we were really surprised they asked. Uh, can this be on the on, Can this be on the interview or not? Uh, you know, uh, let me check. But I, okay. I I don't think there's a problem. I don't think we're okay. trying to hide it. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've I've said in the past that there are some bands who have no bad records, and uh, Endpoint is on that list. Oh, really, Chris? 
<laughs> I mean, I know everyone doesn't agree with me, but the point is on the list of no bad records. I want, I want to hear the bad ones. What, like what, <laughs> Mark? Do you think there's a bad one? No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just. Chris is, gush, Chris is gushing right now, and I'm just, no. I'm just uh, I, checking I'm sorry, his gush. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, it, no. Endpoint was a hugely important band to me, like in the early '90s, and uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop filating. No, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I have no, several I, bands. I don't get me wrong. Too, so. I, love, I love Guild also. And we'll get into Gil, but like, no, I, catharsis, Chris, and catharsis. I really appreciate it. Um, I can't even tell you. Like, I think when I was younger, I didn't know how to take compliments or nice things. Mm -hmm. People would say, you were so good tonight. And I'd be like, we suck, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I still can't take compliments. Uh, like. But now I really appreciate it because, I mean, I think about how different my life would be without the bands and music I did with the friends I had and mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been remotely like, I mean, I'd probably be have a lot more money, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, 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 you know, I get to be the old guy that has the stories. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, that's part of the hardcore thing, I guess. And like I like I I appreciate what you're saying about those records, Chris, because you know, I think that's part of like every I think every Harker kid has a record like that that kind of like pulled them through a bad time. And I I would have to say that if they don't, like a they're really fucking lucky. Yeah. Uh, and B like why are they still here? Yeah. Well, I and mean, maybe not. that's me being kind <laughs> of. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> They moved on to greener pastures. Yeah. <laughs> or, they're, or they're not acknowledging it. A lot of people don't acknowledge when there's trauma in their lives, and that's another thing with people. Like they don't they don't see like the bad times in their life. They kind of like brush them off because like, you know, why I can't have a bad time in my life, you know. They just kind of mm -hmm. like they don't want to acknowledge that that's going on in their life. And part of healing I, is probably I, acknowledging that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish them the best, but, like, I, yeah, I mean, that was a really dark time, like, falling asleep with a knife on my wrist, you know, like, it was, it was a fucking dark time, and it's, like, it's, not anything I would wish on anyone or want to yeah. relive, but I, I acknowledge that it was there. I'm glad you're still here, Chris. Oh, yes, thanks. Yes. Seriously. Yeah. You know that, that's how I feel when I hear stories like that. I'm like, I'm I'm glad that those people are still here, yeah. and like they didn't let the darkness, you know, overcome them. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Love you, man. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> right, let's get back to some fucking non weirdo <laughs> shit. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty. Um, well, let's get to, let's get the guilt. What? How nice. did? How did? How did? Like. So guilt was around when Endpoint was around, right? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, so guilt kind of started around 91. Mm -hmm. But um, didn't guilt have another name? Was it? But yes. Like, what was it? Like, shutdown or something like that? No, not shutdown. What was it? Step down. Step down. I knew it was a yeah. down yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> so this band had a really funny beginning. So after Endpoint would practice, Lee Fetzer, Kyle Noltemeyer, uh, 
and two other guys would play music. They, you know, um, with a different drummer and Lee on guitar and Kyle would move over to guitar. And they, like, everybody would kind of hang out at our practice at Kyle's house. And, you know, so they'd be practicing in the other room while we would watch, you know, like everybody's girlfriends would come over and they'd want to watch like whatever 90120 or <laughs> whatever whatever the hell they were watching and you know um and so we just kind of hang out and I play ping pong or whatever and what Andy Tinsley was supposed to sing for the band and he so Ben Lord who would be in Falling Forward later and Elliot he had like I don't even know, like his 13th birthday party at a bingo hall that his dad owned. And he had stepped down play, but Andy wouldn't sing or didn't mm -hmm. show up or something. So they were like, Hey, Duncan, do you want to sing? And I didn't know all the songs, but I was like, you know, filled with the, the arrogance of youth. And I said, got it. So we get up there and they start playing and I start making up lyrics. And then I, I start like, yeah, lecturing in between songs about what yes. the song's about. <laughs> yes. uh, just having a great time. And then they were like, well, why don't you sing for the band? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, all right. And so we did step down for a little while, recorded a pretty bad demo. And, um, and then right when we kind of started getting into our own, Kyle and I wanted to do something a little heavier. So we were kind of, I when I was on the catharsis tour. So that's how long the step down was. Uh, I wrote about six. I basically wrote the 10 inch while mm -hmm. I was on that uh, catharsis tour. Oh. And um, I came back and I was going to have John Cook from Crane Drum and we, we practiced, but I think it was a little too heavy metal for him. So I played Kyle the songs and he loved them. So we said, all right, we want to do these songs with guilt or uh, step down. And uh, two of the guys were like, nope. And so we, we recorded the last five songs of step down and just called them guilt. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. And so we'd never played the step down songs as guilt until we did the reunion show in May. So wait, the they, first seven inch you never played until May? Yeah. Wow, because those songs are so fucking good. But I also understand why you didn't play them because they didn't fit with the rest of what was what guilt became. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't you know, I couldn't sing them and play guitar at the same time at that time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um so yeah the the guilt show we just Ashley played bass on it and uh Lee Fetzer flew in and uh and we played the seven inch at the end of the guilt show wow it was, it was wow. a lot of fun a lot of fun See, those those songs are i mean guild has an extensive and incredible catalog but like that seven inch is so good yeah yeah <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's like i really like guilt but that blame song is the jam yeah <laughs> she, lo she loved to play yeah. nice yeah it's so good like it's so good <laughs> and cool. it was always like the artistry of guilt beyond the music was always interesting to me too, because it's, it was like seven inch, 10 inch, full length, 10 inch, seven inch. 
<laughs> you know, like the the little things that people don't always pick up on. I always appreciate. Is that was that on purpose? Uh yeah, yeah. Nice. <clears throat> I mean, I I think that if if the band had not imploded on the '96 tour, um, we may have had a full length that was further further would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the band imploded, uh, we I just like okay, we'll record the last. We'll do a ten inch, and mm-hmm. then uh, a year later, we wrote two songs and did a show uh, uh, because we never really had a last show. So we mm-hmm. we um, yeah yeah so banged those out and gave it out free at the show. It was us and Ink and Dagger and a band called Out. How did the reunion show? How did the reunion show this past May go over? Was it was it cool? Yeah, it was great. Um, it was weird because I I had long COVID and I was really having trouble remembering the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we drove down and we practiced, and we never really had a practice where we, you know, because the John had not. He's a disabled vet, and he had not drummed since the 2010 Burning Fight shows. Oh, really? 2009. Yeah. So he breaks out his drum for the first time in that many years, and he was rusty and hadn't practiced, and Kyle is so busy because he runs a lot of businesses. So mm-hmm. um, it took us a while to get the songs down, and we still – they screwed up once. One song. It was really funny because it was Gamma. And after the show, they were like, "We had a talk, and we realized you were right." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice, but but it yeah, it was. It, I was so foggy, and I just said, you know, I just said, let's have fun. We had a great time. Um, uh, you know, it was a good turnout, which we were really surprised. We we didn't know, we didn't think the remixed record would sell mm-hmm. fast. Um, we were not. What expecting. record was remixed? Uh, we remixed. We had Steve Evitz remix Bardstown Ugly Box. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it sounds like I've been told it sounds like an entirely different record, but sounds the same. Like it's the same record, but people are. They were really happy with the remix. Um, of it's heavy. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, Steve Evitz is a, a genius with this kind of music and mm-hmm. really, you know, um, really loved working with Steve. So, it, yeah, it turned out really great. And uh, it sold out in like a few hours. And so their uh, Death Wish asked the record label to reprint it so they could get some. Mm-hmm. which is cool very cool so who did the record uh the guy who uh, the guys who did my solo record uh they're mm. called mind over matter okay they're like a boutique label they're they're great they do damien dunn from culture oh yeah his, uh his solo stuff too oh, cool. um yeah and so like the records are all like different variants and they're the, the covers are really beautiful and it's thick vinyl it's it's really a really cool label. Awesome. Very cool. Nice. So nice. Do, do, do we want to talk about the implosion of guilt? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what that's... happened. Like what what is this implosion? What what happened? Give us give us a the quick the quick rundown. <laughs> well, okay, so we'll back we'll we'll back it up and go to 
in 90, early 96, Kyle uh, came to me and said, hey, I'm going to move out because we had lived together for years. And he's like, I'm going to marry my, my girlfriend, so I'm going to move out, start working for my dad, and um, I got to quit the band. And it was like, you know, he, he was being, it was really kind of, he took me on a walk and showed me the ring he was going to propose to Hillary with. It was really, you know, sweet. And uh, and I was like, I totally understand that. I wouldn't be in this band either. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we asked, you know, I had been friends with Matt Weeder and he had been wanting to move to Louisville. Um, so I asked him to play guitar. Um, and at first we really got along. Uh, but on that tour, there were two things. One, Ashley. So I was in such a deep, dark depression at this time that I was a, just a terrible person to be around. And mm. I, I know that now, you know, um, at the time I thought the whole world was wrong. But um, so I was very set in my ways. Uh, Matt Weeder and I started really butting heads. Um and you, if you, if you know Matt, you know he's the kind of guy he is. He's always sort of been the kind of guy he is. He's 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 strong-headed. He's he's opinionated. Uh, he's a good guitarist, and uh, that you know he and I started hitting heads, um, and started arguing a lot. Um, and Ashley and I were arguing a lot. Um, and Ashley was going through some really dark stuff too. So the last show of that tour, which was a the tour was doomed. We were supposed to be it was supposed to be us and Bloodlet. And Bloodlet got offered uh, sent their demo in and the record in and, and Neurosis picked them up to do a a tour as support so they dropped off this and i put in kindle on uh mm -hmm. and the agency really didn't want them mm -hmm. uh and uh fought me on it and then like eventually dropped the tour so like a month before the tour i had to book an entire tour mm -hmm. um which you know did not go well um, so there was a lot of arguing between bands and, uh, as well. And so after we played our last show, um, actually John and I had talked about being a three piece, um, cause we knew it just wasn't working with, with, uh, Matt. So, um, but Matt, we would find out later was planning to quit anyway. So it was going to be kind of a mutual thing. Um, but when we got back, Ashley got an offer to play with Ink and Dagger and split town without telling anybody. Really. <laughs> um, so I had to listen to her baselines of practicing. So it was really just John and I that recorded that further seven inch or further 10 inch. And then, I taught Kyle some of the songs and he came in and, and played the other guitar track. Um, cause I wasn't really talking to Matt at the time or the Kindle guys. I mean, it, it, it had just kind of gotten 
weird and ugly and it kind of messed up my friendships with some of those guys for for years mm-hmm. yeah. so it was, a, it was a and i know that i was a lot to blame with it um it took me years to sort of work out part of me moving from louisville was you know i knew that i you know i'd had a, a suicide attempt and uh speaking that's mm-hmm. the topic of the hour and i just kind of <laughs> said i I got to go to grad school. I got to get out of town. And, uh, yeah. and it was, it was really the only thing I could do. And it was the best thing I could do. Um, move to Denver and just, you know, um, but you know, now I, I, most of those friendships are totally repaired. Um, uh, I don't really talk to Bricky much. Uh, I still love the guy, uh, but he's out in LA doing his LA thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I haven't really been out there. But yeah, sorry. That's a, it's, all. My stories are quite long, and often it's great, though. Back on them. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it was yeah, it was a bad scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Bricky lived here for a little while. I know for I a know. few years. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was in and around Buffalo for a little bit. Now he's going to Disneyland every day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. According to the internet. <laughs> According to the internet. Yeah, but yeah, right. so um, that's guilt. Yeah, that's guilt. That's what that's. I got dark there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, guilt was kind of a dark thing anyway, so it's not yeah. really yeah. that surprising. Uh, <laughs> did so? What was it like being on Victory? Because you always hear all these Victory horror stories, but you put out at least two records on Victory. Three, four, four. Well, for um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, Allen. with I mean, with uh, guilt. I guess oh, with guilt. by the yeah, grace of God, there was four. Yeah, so yeah. it couldn't have been that bad if you like two bands on it. Well, you know, all of my bands were like in a short period of time, kind of um, mm-hmm. there, and so you know, I mean, look, Tony, Tony was was good. You know, he was nice at the time i mean i i don't know i had never had a really bad i only had like one weird experience in the time that we were you know kind of uh dealing uh with victory um and then i moved away and uh you know there was a time where we did step away from them because they were you know gonna like film a porn or something and we were just like okay we're done (laughs) Um, so, so what it was, because this has come up, not necessarily on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I remember when it happened, it was a big thing. It wasn't that they filmed a porn, they provided the soundtrack to a porn, and apparently didn't tell everyone. Some bands were stoked on it, others not so much. Yeah. But they provided soundtrack and band shirts to a porn. Okay. Hi-Fi and the Roadburners, totally on board. <laughs> yeah, I think like I think Starhead was totally on board. Snapcase, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No. Uh, uh, um, yeah, like I think Starhead was totally cool with it. Of course uh, they were. Of course they were. <laughs> They're probably why are we in it? You know, and that's that's what it was. And the porn, I forget what the name of it was. I feel like Mark, you know, the legacy, the legacy. <laughs> And the box had the Victory Bulldog on it. <laughs> and, like, I remember it was, like, a huge controversy when it happened. Definitely. And then and then just a few short years later, 
Burning Angel was totally fine. Yes, yes, Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew Joanna. But, but um, the person who started Burning Angel was a guy from Sons of Abraham. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Oh. You're in the weeds, Chris. It's like, dude, I, <laughs> I worked at a porn shop for how long? Oh. Like, you're laying in the weeds. <laughs> I, used, I used to know all the codes on the boxes and shit. Oh, man. That's, I, I got to tell you, Chris, I uh, there was a time where I took a writing gig uh, after, after I graduated with my PhD and I didn't I took a publishing job and ended up hating it and, and walking out and had to take some freelance writing. And I ended up uh, taking a job at a porn website, not a porn website, a feminist sex toy website where I wrote okay. copy for them. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> uh, and so I would go to this warehouse and you know, I would have to research because, you know, I was pretty vanilla. Uh, and so, you know, they'd be like, you know, can you write a, a an article about how to use bend over boyfriend? And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'll have to research this. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, you will. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I know there's people right now, listen, you know, that might listen to this and be like, nah, he knew, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there was no research uh, on that one <laughs> <laughs> that's fruitcake uh, <laughs> but uh, but like I remember I uh, I was invited to do a reading at Brown University when my book came out and you know when I came back from it you know I was, I was feeling pretty good about myself and uh uh, I'm in this warehouse working and my friend's like instant messaging me and she's like, do you feel like you've arrived? Like your book came out, you just got invited by like people you love to Brown. And, and I was like, I was about to be like, yeah, man, I think good things are going to start happening. And I turned around just then and saw the wall of multicolored phalluses behind me. And I, I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reality that I'm like, you know, basically writing the prose to sling dildos, uh, you uh -huh. know, kind of, kind of. I mean, now I think about it, it's hilarious, but it was, you know, yeah, uh, really, in a moment, humbling, humbling, real quick. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah. So we, by the grace of God, had gotten off of uh, victory, and. We were thinking about like talking to like Fat Records because uh, mm. we just done a tour with like Good Riddance and um, a a a AFI, and uh, the opener on that was at the Dragon. Um, mm. uh, and but we we just kind of never really stabilized as a band again you know um once we had we had jo uh, robbie and and, and robbie and, and tree on bass um and then we we just couldn't get a drummer to to stay mm -hmm. um uh and then i left uh so we were kind of always just spinning band members and not really we we, we recorded that record of those songs that we we just hadn't really figured out all the way um the three steps for democracy yeah um, the like it was it was an interesting <clears throat> cd layout like the matchbook 
Yeah, yeah. Layout, like it was just creative. And then, uh, yeah, I left. And we would play some reunion tours every now and then. Uh, and we mm -hmm. decided we would never say we were broken up. Yeah. Um, and then we recorded that record again. Sorry, I'm totally off track again. Uh, but so my, and, you know, my thing with Tony was never really gnarly. Um, uh, I, I can't, there's certain things I can't really say um, mm -hmm. that are part of the contractual agreement to get the rights back to our music, um, mm -hmm. which uh, once he sold to Concord or whatever, uh, we were able to do. Um, and it was quite easy at that point. Uh, we we had a lawyer do it, and uh, and he got the rights back. So that's why you you start seeing some of that stuff re released and re released. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't have the gnarly stories mm. like maybe Thursday has. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, um, uh, but, you know, we were never making so much money there that it, it mattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. No, no gnarly uh, Tony stories. All good. No, it's just, I just know that, that there seems to be people who have had horrific experiences with victory like thursday or hawthorne heights is that the name of the bands yeah yeah but then there's other bands that don't seem to have had those experiences like your bands and snapcase and probably a couple others and it's it's i've i've always wondered why why did some bands have these like terrible experiences and others didn't like what was the what was the factor yeah, yeah. You know, there, you know. Were, there were se several bands that wrote me um, right before they signed to Victory and asked my opinion. And, you know, I would give it to them. And uh, in both of the bands, like two bands in particular that had signed, uh, one of the band members would resign in protest mm -hmm. of signing to Victory. Uh I remember yeah. signing to Victory was a very controversial thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Even even before some of the stuff came out, like it was very controversial to sign to Victory because they were seen as like a major label, even though they weren't. Yeah, yeah, and I would always say, "Look, he'll get your record out there, and people will hear it." I mm -hmm. I can't tell you if if you'll get paid the way you want to, but you know that's what your lawyers for. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's the same thing I said to, you know, uh, the Get Up Kids when they asked me about Victor, or, uh, Doghouse. I said, look, it's a big label. It's a bigger hardcore punk label right now. People will get your record. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and for all the shit people talk about Victory and Tony Victory, you at least have to give a measure of respect from taking that label to putting out the fucking inner strength seven inch, which may be one of the worst and worst looking records in hardcore history to then being able to sell it for how many millions? Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in less than 30 years. Good for Tony. Yes. <laughs> Good for Tony. Good for, yeah, Tony. good for Tony. I mean, granted, there's a lot of blood built into those walls, but like, there is, you know, it, it's it's 
it's an it's impressive what it endeavor. It's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. A lot of, lot of blood, sweat, and heartache in there. And a big yeah. giant blow. Yeah. Some more than others. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in you give what you get. You know, it's like, you know, the energy you put out. Not necessarily that, that being true, but like, I think that works how it works a lot of times. Like, you, you put in a certain thing, and you, you put in negative energy, you get out of negative energy, I guess. But I don't know. It's what it yeah. is. I've always kind of lived by that type of, uh, say, credo. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. are we talking about by the grace of God, or are we just talking about by the grace of God being on victory? What do we What do we talk about, Chris? I don't know, but you know, by the grace of God, man. <laughs> so was that was that the the last band that you did as a new band? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I did some bands in Denver. Uh, actually, one of the best records I think I ever recorded was uh, part of like kind of a solo, what would have sort of been a solo band, mm -hmm. but it was a band uh, called D Biddle. We did a, a record called Rabbit in the Moon. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of my favorite records of all time. It sounds pretty, pretty good. And the songs are interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. And I played bass in a band called Lion Size that was real fast in Denver. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, actually Shane Trost, uh, who was from Buffalo, uh, used to be in Delta 72. Uh, re Delta replaced, 72. Yeah. replaced me on bass. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Buffalo Denver. connections all over. Yeah, Buffalo's Buffalo. everywhere. Buffalo's worldwide yeah. everywhere. Was that was that Chris? Uh, it's everywhere. Buffalo's everywhere. Yeah, I was just in Denver a couple of years ago. What was I in Denver? I was in Denver. For I was work. just in Denver a couple of years ago. I was for work. I was in Denver. I went to the. I went to uh, same that place, uh, Red Rocks. I went there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I didn't see a concert there, but I went to sightsee there and stuff. And I uh, yeah, I went to Denver. <laughs> yeah, okay. is cool. How long were you in Denver? I mean, I was in Boulder for a couple of years and then down in Denver. So I, I think I was there from 2000 to 2008. Okay. And uh, never wanted to leave. I, I love it before it became super gentrified, but mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, I really loved it there. Yeah, I remember going in there like a couple of years ago, like, so many things are being built in Denver. And I'm, <laughs> I, I can guarantee you, most people can't afford these things that are being built <laughs> in Denver. So. Yeah, yeah. Just like you're yeah. in Buffalo, I was, yeah. I was paying $500 for, like, an apartment in Denver wow. at the time. And, yeah, uh, yeah you, you, you know, I came back a few years later to try to get away from academia. Mm -hmm. Um it's like after my dad died and uh shit um yeah i, I had to pay like 1300 for for a, a place half as big uh with no uh, no no direct sunlight uh <laughs> great so so after yeah, a year yeah, I like, I, i'm out i feel like buffalo was much the same way because i feel like the last house i lived in in buffalo was like Six hundred dollars in rent or something. 
Yeah. Mark, I don't know if you ever went to that. I was the one on, I think it was on Niagara. If I, remember. I remember. Remember, we lived together. We lived on Richmond. Richmond. Like that. That was like, was that like 475 or 575? Something, yeah, something stupid like that. For three, now, bed, three gigantic <clears throat> bedrooms. Yeah, yeah like yeah, that, that yeah. house that I lived in yeah. had four bedrooms, a finished attic, a fucking pantry. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Like yeah. I regret moving out of that house. Like I should have just stayed there and like forever gotten like, it through like, squatter rights or something. Like, like till now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that house, because like, now that area is great. Yeah, like at the time, the area sucked. Like next door was uh, crack dealers next door, and they liked us because they thought my pit bulls were awesome. Yeah. But every month, like clockwork, it would get raided, and oh, really? somehow they never, they never got caught. I have no idea how, but every fucking month they got raided, and uh, one of the times they got raided, the cops were in my front yard looking in the window at my dogs. And a buffalo, like when the cops, I don't know if it's still the same, but at the time in Buffalo, when you, when the cops come into your house under that type of thing, they shoot your dogs and they're fine. Like that, oh, they really? can do that. So I went outside and I was like, Hey, what's up? And they're like, Oh, no, they were just admiring your dogs. I'm like, All right, cool. My house is good. They're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm like, All right, cool. Like, mm-hmm. they yeah, didn't need yeah. them to come in and shoot my dogs in front of me, thinking that it was my yeah. house because they didn't find anything at the actual house. That's fucked up, bro. Yeah, I think I went to that house once, but yeah, so that's that's fucked up though. Was yeah, Gus living was with you? Huge. Was Gus living with you there? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Sorry for our tangent now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's just everywhere. Rent's gone up everywhere. Like nowhere is like cheap anymore. The cheap places, everyone's figured it out. Oh yeah, raise the rent to stupid amounts. Well, it's because the, the investment bankers bought up a bunch of properties and people like all these people that buy up like an extra house to do an Airbnb and yes. mm-hmm. these people, you know, uh, in a, in a proper, proper city, they, they try to create laws to keep people from doing that. But yeah, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a damn nightmare. There's plenty of like two family houses in Buffalo that are, owned by companies you know mm-hmm. who are running them and property managers and mm-hmm. stuff when it used to be like somebody owned it like the guy lived downstairs and he rented the upstairs yep. and now yep. it's the guy now it's somebody from outside comes in and yeah. has that and buys it and that's kind of sucks but i guess it's i guess it's legal so you can do whatever the fuck you want if you got enough money right <laughs> i mean there was a time like right before i moved there was a house on niagara a big house for sale for nine thousand dollars like I'm there, right? I can buy it right now. Right, like I could go there right now and buy that shit. Nothing's wrong with that house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing's wrong. With that. I mean, it was in a shitty area. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it was because of that, you know. But like, yeah, but it was like nine thousand. I was like, all right, I'll fix it up. Like that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So let's get back. Let's back to music and yeah, and yeah. hardcore and not <laughs> not gentrification and yeah. <laughs> the evils of the world. Let's get back to the good of the evils world. Of the world. <laughs> so when you um, so you guys have played shows as by the grace of God slash endpoint like in the last few years. Like, how does that stuff kind of come together? You know, we did it. I think we did about like four shows like that, mm-hmm. maybe five. Yeah. Um, 
we we had done so when our friend Jason was diagnosed with cancer, we we did a reunion two mm-hmm. two nights in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, Face value played with one of them, with us on one of them, and um, we gave all the money to to Jason's uh, medical bills, mm-hmm. um, and it was all right. You know, we had a we had a fun time for what it was worth. Um, I was a little stressed because I had to do, you know, everything. But, uh, uh, you know, it's just like that thing where you're. I had to, like, you know, meet with one of the band members and run through the songs with them and then meet with another one. And then we'd all meet together as a band and go through the songs again. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it was great. We had a good time. So we got offered uh, to do a couple shows in Europe when by the Grist God and trial were going. Uh, and so we thought, you know, I asked the other guys and not, you know, they didn't want to do it. Um, so we, we, I asked if we could just do it this way. And they said, sure. And so we, we played an endpoint set mm. uh, with the, by the Grist God members. And then we were kind of thinking maybe people all around would want to hear, you know, this, at some point. So we played Detroit, New York and Brooklyn and the Snapcase thing uh, with the sort of mashup. But Mm -hmm. we really just felt like, you know, if we wanted to do another endpoint thing, we, after that, we wanted to do it properly. Uh, But we don't, we don't think it'll ever happen just because of various reasons. Um, Time and space. (laughs) <laughs> yes, time and space. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, um, it's just, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's so many different members, it becomes a pain in the ass to try not to offend yeah. somebody with this. I hear, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I think my band played that show. The uh, You did. Black yeah, the- X. Yeah, we played that yeah. show. Great was supposed to play, but they they couldn't play. So yeah. they called upon yeah. Black X to play. <laughs> <laughs> One of the only Black yeah. X shows we ever got paid for, though, which was cool. Wow. <laughs> we got yeah, checked, was... which is crazy. <laughs> Whoa. I had a great time Rockstar. watching you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Like, that was a fun band to do, even though I was old as fuck. I still am old as fuck. <laughs> so it's Black X was great. Okay. We had we had we had we had ones of fans. <laughs> ones of fans. <laughs> Tens of fans. Oh, Tens of fans. <laughs> we did get to play we did get play with Judge though, which was cool. So that that was that was the twice. We played with Judge twice, which is cool. You played in Chicago with the yes. or... yeah, yeah, played with yeah. Judge Chicago, which was cool because it was it, like we, I don't know if we just become a band, but like, like our friend, our guitar player lives in Chicago, and he knew the guys promoting the show, and they were like, "Does your band want to play open for Judge?" And like, we weren't getting paid. I think we did get paid though, which was cool. But we're like, "Sure, it's freaking Judge. Let's let's drive out to Chicago yeah. and play with Judge." Why the yeah. fuck not? <laughs> it's not yeah, I mean, when Judge calls, you show right. up. It was cool though because I had written a song about. It's kind of about Judge or a situation with Judge that when I was getting into shows, like I was able to tell Mike this story. I don't know if he cared or whatever, but it was cool to be able to tell him this story about this song that I'd written 
that. What's the story? Oh, it was about when I bought the Judge record or the CD at a record store, and this lady like thought that I, she she like pretty much thought I was coming into the store to buy rap records because of who I am and stuff, and mm. and it was just like stupid, you know, early nineties freaking people are dumb. You walk into a store right. and people think. I mean, today it's a lot different, I guess, as far as you know the way things are, which is cool, but. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's what it, it's what it is, or it's what it was. But it inspired a song that I wrote, and I've written tens of songs in my career. Tens of songs. <laughs> tens of songs. Tens of songs. <laughs> well, tens you know, of <laughs> mine is like diminishing returns, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's see. Where, where else do we want to go? Are you playing in the band now? No, um, I have not been in a band. I mean, except for playing with By the Grace of God occasionally. Um, I live I live in a very, very small college town. That's not like when you think college town, right? You think mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool little city. Um, it's in uh, the like the mm, southeast corner of South Dakota. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I've never, I, I've tried to play with some people up in Sioux Falls, uh, but just the, the chemistry and the scheduling just never happened, so. So how far is Sioux Falls from you? Uh, it's about, it's 50 miles, but it's 80 miles an hour, so about 40 minutes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it like in this small, uh, small thing? uh it's you know um it's weird um we have like very little going on um you're you know when you go to the grocery store it's like your students or um i i'm a kind of a shut-in here uh uh which i was always so social wherever i lived before but i'm a a total shut-in here it's real quiet until the students come uh, and the house I bought uh, is right between the all the big student housing and the bars. So on yeah. Thursday night at two in the morning, we get the asshole brigade uh, <laughs> uh, nice come through. And I just always want to yell, "I got a gun!" <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, nice. But then somebody will call me on it one day, and I'll be like, "Right, just kidding." <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking. Sorry. <laughs> Can't you take a joke, bro? <laughs> nice, very cool. Yeah, so, so I haven't really written anything in in, in so, a while. So all that stuff behind you just for show. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, now I can afford it gear. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Every now and then, when I'm, I, I, I play and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a pandemic buy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, let's see. So, so, do, does any music come through where you live? Oh yeah, there's a great little record store up in Sioux Falls. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the owners there are really wonderful, and they do shows uh, there. Um, 
nothing hardcore uh but mm -hmm. you know like a lot of good uh garage like pop and indie mm -hmm. um uh comes through and occasionally like a big bigger sort of band will come through mm -hmm. uh, one time andy came through with deftones and i got to hang out with andy uh while he's mm -hmm. in oh, town that's cool. which, yeah yeah Cool. But now he's he's with Blink now. Oh, that's cool. So what's yeah. he doing with Blink-182? Uh, he's like the... There's like a series of managers. So there's mm -hmm. a tour manager, and then he's the like assistant to the tour manager. Man, big-time stuff is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that band's crazy because I think, you know... I think Tra Travis is a pretty big celebrity at this point, so it has its own, oh yeah, you know, logistics to it that that maybe uh, a band like Deftones didn't have. Yeah, there was like a story about him going to uh, that the uh, the fest in California, the uh, Sound, Sound, of, Sound of Fury, and they had to like clear out a room for him or something. But they were saying that it was some weird coincidence that they had that they had to clear out this room for him. But it sounds like they had to clear out a room for him to come into this freaking fest. So, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. he is a different kind of celebrity than I think we understand, right? Yeah, because like, um, you have like, to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, like you know, I mean, shit. If we all had the money, uh, maybe we well, would. I think I think that he was at a certain level of celebrity that none of us could necessarily understand, mm -hmm. and then connecting him with a Kardashian raised yeah. him even higher. Yes, yeah, so. you know, beyond that understanding level. Like I think that all three of them have a level of celebrity that we're not going to understand, yeah. but he's like even beyond that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm and not it's weird not. that he has. I'm not, but I'm saying it's weird that he he has that level of celebrity. And he's trying to come back down into like sound and fury space, like spaces like that. That like, not to say that he never went to before, but it's like, you know, you're even bigger now. Why are you coming to these places? You know, <laughs> he likes the music. He likes the tunes. All right. I'm just saying, like, you weren't here before. Why are you here now? You know. Oh, you mean? In not, the, in not, the, I, I don't know that. Maybe I know, I know what you're happened. saying. I know what you're saying. Like when he was kind yeah. of a celebrity, he didn't come around. Yeah. But then now he's yeah. like, but now that he's like a mega, like he's like, you know, people gossip column level celebrity, and then you know here he is like watching God's hate or whatever the fuck, you know, like, you know. I have a quick yeah, question: Is there a yeah. Sioux City, South Dakota, and a Sioux City, Iowa? There's a Sioux City, Iowa, which is 20 minutes from me. Okay. And then there's a Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, I see. Um, I'm reading I it wrong. I live in between. Yeah. No. No. That's that's so confusing for my friends. By the way. Yeah. Um, most of them think I'm in North Dakota. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I'm looking because I went. I typed in hardcore shows like Sioux, like Sioux Falls. You say so you're near Sioux Falls. <clears throat> Is that where you're near? Yeah. Okay. And I and like metal concerts comes up and like and like uh, Fozzy. And and trapped are coming to Sioux. Are <laughs> coming through. So trapped is coming yes. to a place called Big Sports Bar and Billiards. Like how the mighty fall. <laughs> I mean, that uh, sounds like the perfect place for them to play. I agree. Is that <laughs> is that the band that that challenged uh, Riley to fight uh, from uh, the metal band from Power uh, Trip? 
and yeah. then uh, and then Isaac from Everything New York stepped into yes. the ring. <laughs> yeah. So weird. It's like the, the greatest bait and switch I've ever seen. Oh man, what, what Such a fun. time! <laughs> I oh, really yeah. wish that would have played out. I really wish that would have played out. Yeah, yeah. Even Ice T was even involved in that for a second. Right. <laughs> like but it was the, crazy. Yeah. Ice T just asking the questions like he does in yeah. SVU. Are you telling me you <laughs> want to fight? I mean, he pretty much just plays himself at this point. The best actor ever. Yeah, Yeah. I've had friends who have worked on SVU. Yeah, and they said that like he he's like off camera, like texting or whatever. They basically point the camera at him, puts his phone down, does his lines, and they move the camera. He goes back to like (laughs) back to his phone, just talking to Coco. Yeah, like he's he's got it down. Like just one take T, one take T. So so let's let's get into the unless you have other music questions, Chris. Do you have No, questions? I think I'm uh I don't I don't wanna like you know fillet any further, so I think I'm good. <laughs> so let's get into the the Wyatt questions. Do you wanna get to those real quick? Uh what are the, the Wyatt, Wyatt questions? Oh I thought you said white. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the Wyatt Wyatt Dakota, so let's let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you I imagine it's a snowstorm there. Um. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be a positive person? Oh, oh that's tough. Um, as long as it's not about me, yes. Um, okay. I'm, I, I mean, I try to be optimistic. I'm far more optimistic than I was when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I, I tend to be pretty optimistic mm-hmm. uh, and try to be positive. Uh, but I am a depressive, so sometimes they, yeah, my cat have is. You... Oh, cats! Oh, have on, you, as a person who's clearly had, I'm guessing, lifelong depression bouts or living with lifelong depression, mm-hmm. have you figured out any of your triggers? Uh, you know. I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if it's triggers um, that I know, but I do know when, when it has happened or when I just wake up that way and I know Mm -hmm. not to fight it, but just, you know, maybe that day I won't be on social media as much or Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll, um, I'll just, you know, kind of read or watch movies or something or, you know, I just, I, I used to try to fight it. Uh, but now I know that it's just part of who I am, and sometimes I have these days. Um, and when I, when how, I have a, a long bout, then I know I have to do some, make some choices. So I start going to the mm-hmm. gym, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does your depression manifest? Like my it's depression like, manifests as anger. Anger. Yeah. Uh, mine's mine's like being underwater. Oh God! Yeah, it's like everything's muted. I don't feel joy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I don't really feel anger. I think I used to. When I, when I feel anger now, it's not through depression. It's through. Yeah, like uh, no, I know, I know, I I know the difference between legitimate 
anger and my depression anger, but in the moment, I don't always realize it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and I know like one of one of my triggers for depression is uh, lack of routines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It's crazy yeah. you say that, Chris. Because I when I think about that, it's like when you have those situations, it's like you should have been able to easily navigate that situation, but you couldn't. Or me, anyway. That's how I feel. Yeah. When, when I mm-hmm. when I get upset or angry with certain things, like. That should have been so easy to figure out, but yeah, oh yeah, just yeah. not, like, just not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this was easy. Yeah. Like I could have just said this, this, and this, or did this and this and this and that. Oh, nope, man. right. But instead, <laughs> nope, did this and this, <laughs> and here we are again. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I figured this out by now. <laughs> you're like yeah. me. I'll just sometimes be sitting in bed, almost falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just remember something from fucking 20 years ago, I yep. said, where I just get really anxious about it. Yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, like, oh, my God, I, you know, I told the Makai, da, 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 da. And, you know, I'll yeah. just like, yeah. just be like, oh, you must have thought I was such a dipshit, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh so is to switch gears is there good food where you live no fucking way (laughs) uh in sioux falls there's uh really good in ethiopian there's really good um uh uh there's a great vietnamese restaurant where i can get these tofu bamis um uh there's some fine dining places that have decent food but like here where i live we have four pizza places and none of them. I mean, like we have four pizza places. The local one just went out of business. Uh, and uh, Domino's is the by far the best of those four pizzas. That's right. Rough. Like that's, yeah, uh, that's, we, that's, that's hard. <laughs> we did just get a legit Mexican restaurant though. So we're pretty happy about that. Nice. Uh, that's very cool. Those are always good to have in that area. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have any good Mighty Taco yeah. memories? Oh, Mighty Taco. Speaking of fake Mexican. <laughs> Yo, yeah, um, the realest, the realest you'll ever get. <laughs> uh, I used to, I was not a fan. Uh, and oh my God, drive, what? That would drive everybody crazy. <laughs> that would drive everybody crazy. Oh. Uh, the bands. Uh, I, would, I would also joke and call it Slidey Taco. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could eat the churros uh, because they weren't vegan or something. But um, I think you mean the now, empanadas. That was, that yeah, was, the yeah, empanadas. the empanadas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't like. I didn't like beans. I mean, at that time, man, I was so. I had no taste palate. I I like ate, you know, peanut butter and tofu bland. You know, like I just mm. I I. I don't think I even had Asian food until I was like 20. You know what I mean? Wow. So like, um, I've grown a lot as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, uh, but yeah, did you like the Mighty Taco? I'm not a fan <laughs> myself. I mean, it's, oh it's, something, it's something to eat, but it's, 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 it's trash. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. There goes our sponsorship. Um, <laughs> I, I will say like, I mean, there was a period where I lived off a of mighty taco, like two meals a day. Uh-huh. 
Uh, Even less than five bucks back in the day. Like, yeah, I mean, well, you need well, yeah, yeah. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's not great. And uh, every trip back, I do at least one mighty taco run, and I, I sometimes I regret it. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't sit like it did 25 years ago. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's it's rough. Not, it's not what it was. Yeah. Oh I my god. Uh, I hear that. Yeah, it's but rough. I, I but like, if you're if you're from Buffalo, you gotta have at least every now and then, or at least of a certain age, a Logan Berry and a fucking veggie burrito. I guess. <laughs> like and now they have the impossible meat. Like it's they got rid of it. What? They got rid of it. Oh, C- canceled. They're canceled. <laughs> They're done. They're fucking done. It must not be Pizza selling Hut. well. Pizza I mean, Hut did that too. They had this like Beyond sausage pizza that was amazing, yeah. and then they're like, "Just kidding, fuck you." And I was just like, <laughs> "Well, Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> did that too. They had like fake yeah. chicken, but they did it for like a month, and then that was it. That was like, we're done." <laughs> yeah, and I, I with all the market research they did on that, I can't believe that's what they were like. Yeah, this is the one we're gonna put out there because yeah. it wasn't very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I hear that. But I always try those things because I'm like, look, if those companies are gonna meet us halfway, you know. Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm gl- I'm glad Burger King still does it because you know when you're on the highway driving yeah. between you know South Dakota and Colorado, it's a <laughs> lot of nothing. And you could get yeah. an impossible burger, and it's like, yes, yeah, you've, yeah, you've succeeded in life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, like, in, think about it, when we were eating those nature's burgers, that fucking <laughs> sand in a box. <laughs> yes, was you know, not the best. You, yeah, you would not think that in our lifetime, Burger King would have a a, a, a vegetable burger, you know, or whatever. Yeah, we used to get because I'm vegetarian. We used to get. We get a whopper without meat. That was the yeah. that was that was the yes. Place. That was the move. <laughs> that was the move. Yeah. It was just like lettuce, tomato, and onion, and yeah. ketchup. It was disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> what a life! Oh, what a, what, a, what a life! I want an impossible whopper now. There's not a Burger King near me. Really? You don't Burger King like with a whopper? Actually, there the is. Apartment? There is, but I don't know if it's open. I would have to check. Where are you living now? I live in Astoria, Queen, New York, in Queens, in New York City. Oh, oh, oh okay. I thought I was like Astoria, like Washington, uh, Oregon. <laughs> no, or? no. You live with no. Chris Novoselic. <laughs> <laughs> living in his, his like carriage house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be sweet. I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's expensive, but it's cool. Yeah, very cool. Very nice. So, what else you got, Chris? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. So, are you? Are there? Are there any? Do you have any music plan in the in the oh, in I, the, I in do the have future after this? You know, um, or are you open to playing more music, like with I, old bands? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. play music anytime. I, you know, I'm, I'm. I feel like a part of me is gone now that I don't play. Get to play music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of. I have a set up at home to record but I, I, it's not the same as like that energy exchange between people yeah. um, and it, it really drives me crazy and uh, and I was always blessed to live in like 
Louisville than Denver. And both of those places like are very music cities, very people are serious about it. You know, they're not just like weekend warriors. Um, but no, you know, I've got, I've been finishing up a novel and I've really been, you know, spending all my time on, on that. That isn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, I would love to, I, I would absolutely love to. And, and Pennington just keeps, you know, starting bands and moving <laughs> and breaking them up. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, and I'm just like, ah, I want to play the band music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So what's your other question, Chris? Um, what's the last book you would recommend? You mean like, like this is the last book on earth I would recommend, or like, yeah, like, like what's what's the what's the 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 last book that you read that you would be like, oh, other people should read those. Oh, um, well, I, I, you know, um, God, uh, I'm reading right now one that that I don't know if I would recommend this one. I would re recommend his previous one, um, Stephen Grant Jones, uh, the only good Indian, Indians. It's a sort of a native horror novel, uh, mm -hmm. but it's it's really well. I mean, he's a really strong writer, um, and it's it's very unique how the the point point of view shift around. Um, uh, but his the one I'm reading right now is for a class I'm teaching, and it's called uh, my. I think it's I got I'm gonna get it wrong. My chainsaw heart and it's it's the really popular one that he wrote recently mm -hmm. um but it's written in a way through sort of a teenager's point of view um mm -hmm. and the other one just feels more mature it's, it's a book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very cool awesome. uh, or i could also recommend you know um theory of the novel um <laughs> if you wanted to read that one uh, it's a real uh, page. I'm sure it'll be a real page turner for you um, I don't know I mean like some of I feel like uh, some of the people that listen to the podcast like I feel like that we have an older listening base mm -hmm. and some of the people who are like really excited for the podcast are like people that started out as like hardcore kids but now they're like neuroscience scientists and prisoner advocacy lawyers and shit so maybe you know <laughs> this is something that i talk about actually it's like the difference in sort of certain generations of hardcore i was like our generation was very political very and very mm -hmm. involved and i think it's amazing how many people that we know that have gone on to do remarkable things Mm -hmm. right like become doctors therapists mm -hmm. um uh you know work you know work at huge companies doing you know their their sort of like social outreach and mm -hmm. and you know i i think that it i think it's really remarkable i think it says something i think it says more about us than the music ever could is like you know, even though the music's a part of it, but the music, you listen to it, you would never think, like, you know, you listen to Looking Glass Self, you wouldn't think that two of those people 
would go on to get their PhDs, right? Like exactly, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 people using the hardcore foundation to change their small parts of the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And somehow, and, and, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, it's just like somehow there was a couple generations where, and this is nothing to slight them, but it they lost the focus of like. W- what it what hardcore maybe meant beyond the music so um this 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 these are conversations that i've had uh i've mentioned a couple times on the podcast and conversations i've had with mark and some of other other friends like in private mm-hmm. the dumbing down of hardcore well i i don't want to say that just because i think right like i think that those the people, there's bands that are, they were really smart about being bands and they were probably, they're probably like selling, you know, real estate and, uh, and stock market stuff really well, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, which is not an intelligence that I had. But I mean, I think that, I think that maybe until recently, we were the last, maybe the last thread of that original hardcore idea mm-hmm. um, of change and progress. Um, but now I see like all these bands coming now that don't even really sound hardcore that are hardcore bands that I think like, yeah, bring the weirdness. It's like, a, it's, it's, it's got a life now where I, I, mm-hmm. I think bef- for a while, I just, there wasn't a thing in it. I recognized besides, you know, the chug. There, there definitely was a dark period in hardcore where, like, it was pretty like no substance for a, a little bit of time there, but it's getting better. Yeah, or yeah. it's, it's yeah. back or whatever. You know, it's cool. <laughs> there's always there's like was dead period here in Buffalo, but everything's kind of back now, which is really cool. So it's, it's yeah, good. it's very yeah, good. It's, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I see. I see a lot, like a lot of hardcore people uh, follow me or I'll follow them back that maybe I don't really know, but like mm. they post stuff of like these newer bands and I'm like, this is, this is so cool to see. Right. Like, mm. um, it's like somehow sounds kind of grunge, but also hardcore. Yeah, um, definitely. So, so and, what are some newer bands that have caught your interest? Well, I mean, there, some of them that are not really, bands anymore like half heart i thought was mm. really okay. pretty interesting um mm. uh and what's the band they did after is that fiddleback fiddlehead 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 yeah, they're um, a band now and, or that that's a band now yeah yeah and they have a new record out that i haven't listened to yet um cool i um, i i'm not a fan of pat's voice and fiddlehead so it's it's I I I know that Fiddlehead apparently I mean, apparently they're great. I mean I've heard some of them like oh this isn't bad, but something about his voice doesn't work for me in that yeah. band. Yeah. The cool thing about about him though is like he's he's a teacher, right? And he's doing his hardcore thing. He's probably doing his heart like he's he's doing it in the real world, which I think is mm-hmm. better than like people trying to like make like. I mean, music careers are cool, but it's like we're 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 not here to do that. We're here to we're not here yeah. to like we're here to like take what we learn here out there. I think I think that's what it's always yeah. been. I mean, some for some people's not that, but I've always thought it was that way mm. to take it out into mm. you know and 
maybe change something, one or two things, one or two people. Yeah. A couple people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. my brother's like, my brother sorry, my brother's vegetarian because I was vegetarian and he has nothing to do with hardcore. So and right. he learned that from me, which I think is cool. It's changing your world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, or like the things that your world influences and then change you know, and it gradually like go like uh uh flows out yeah. and you know, out and out. In a million years. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not that long, but <laughs> it takes time. Unfortunately takes time. the bad things also have the same ripple effect. True, true, yeah. true, true. Yeah, 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 they do. Um I guess I also like uh I didn't mention this, but uh they're so big now, not to lose. Um yeah. they're kinda Are they from Louisville, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And so I checked them out, um and I was like, This is really this is really frantic. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um there's a band Disavow from Europe that I like. Mm-hmm. What are they like? Have you uh, heard them, Chris? Fast. I'm, I've seen, I'm not I've seen the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they had a hardcore band before called. Uh, we played with them a few times, and they were great too. Um, and I feel bad. I'm going blank on their name. Uh, they had these great shirts that were like, "No racism, no homophobia, no drugs." You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's always cool. <laughs> yeah, Europe always got that right about hardcore. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're from Europe. Like, like Europe. Europe has a much more. They have a very overt fascism, underground mm-hmm. fascism in Europe, whereas America, it was kind of covert, or what was overt was clownish. Mm-hmm. And not organized, whereas theirs very organized. And for a lot of them, you know, fascism isn't that far back for them. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. We you had know, a driver. Like Germany, once. Italy. Yeah. We had a driver once that we brought to America. He went on a By the Grace of God, the Good Riddance tour, and some Nazis showed up outside the, the parking lot. And I may remember this partially correct, but. He grabbed something like a hammer or something and just walked out there to go just start smashing their heads. And, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> like they don't they don't take the yeah they don't take any they, of that. They don't take it because it's a very real yeah. thing. Yeah, they don't talk. You no, know, like yeah, yeah. There's no talk. There's no discussion. There's, there's no, no. I grew up with that guy. There's no, you know, like oh, you don't understand. Like, no, it's it's yeah, it's literally smash fucking fascists. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> God bless them. God bless the Euros. By the <laughs> grace of God, may they continue their fine work. <laughs> Way to wrap it up, Chris. <laughs> With no like guilt. <laughs> With no guilt of doing it. With no guilt, we come to the end point of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right, awesome. Yeah. So thank, thank you, you for coming on, Duncan. This yeah, is great. thanks for thanks for hanging around. Sorry, I got the time wrong. I'm an idiot. Uh, it's all good. You, you, you are far from saying, an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're uh, yeah. I mean, 